High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 High FM. Welcome, welcome to the Elving Show. Um, it's great to be with you on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. This is a show where we connect you insight, information, and illumination. This is just the first time that you've listened to the show. Welcome. Every week we bring you really inspiring people. We have warriors who share their stories. And um, it's all about connecting and inspiring and informing you. If you do miss any of our shows, please don't worry. We always uh, do podcasts, the show. We put it on the website, and you can always catch that show a day or two afterwards. You've just got to go to that High FM website, and you'll be able to get that show. So I start off, you know, I mean, I always ask you how you're doing, but especially under these conditions, how are you doing? How is zone four treating you? We've just been told that zone three, possibly the beginning of June, we don't know. And I know there's lots of frustration around that, the not knowing, the not knowing. So what does the not knowing do? Well, for some of you, perhaps the not knowing is very frustrating. It makes you angry. It makes you feel like you are out of control. And for others, the not knowing makes you feel very anxious because you're out of control and um, this inability to plan for a future, to see what's happening. And then, of course, the not knowing, you know, there's the health scare, obviously, for many people. We're looking at finances. We're looking at businesses. So this is a time when so much comes up because there are many of you who actually are thriving during this time. So you've you've managed to pause to look for any kind of positive that's come out of it. Where, 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 where's the learning? Where's a, where am I growing? Um, what can I be grateful for in this moment? And um, so what we've been trying to do over the last few weeks is just have guests on the show who can help you navigate your way through. Um, because I always say that, you know, the reality that is unfolding before us is a reality that we do not have control over. Um, and that's what COVID-19 has shown us. We have very little control over our external world. You know, the external world is just doing what it does. We, we have the control is our internal world and how we manage that internal world. So I really hope that the guests that we bring you, the tips that we bring you are helping you with your journey, especially listening to the news um, and, and such an increase in mental health issues. And that is extremely, extremely worrying. So I'm really very delighted that our first guest um, all the way from Australia, ex-South African, who is a clinical psychologist and a best-selling author and speaker. She's also CEO and founder of Anxiety Solutions CBT Psychology Practice in Sydney, Australia. Um, she talks about parenting with soul um, and also a lot about anxiety. And we're dealing a lot with anxiety. So let's see where our conversation goes with Rene. You know, parents are having a Difficult time right now. Um, people are dealing with the anxiety. So we're going to be unpacking 
all of those topics. So please make sure that you stay with us um, right until the end of the show. And then Jodine Sher is going to be joining us. She's a transformation strategist and coach. She's the co-owner of Lifeologies. She's written a beautiful book called Ephinia. And she's going to be sharing her story of the book and also what it means to to help people with um, transformation during these times. So that is what you have to look forward to. Um, we're going to take a quick break. That means you've got time to make yourself a quick cup of coffee or get yourself a glass of water. Switch everything off. Switch everything off and just sit back and relax. Open your mind and get ready to be inspired, informed entertained. A quick break and we'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Well, welcome back to the DR Link show where we connect you to insights, information and illumination. Nikki Seberini here. Um, and really looking forward to introducing our first guest um, on today's show. And that is Renee Holt clinical psychologist, best-selling speaker, and also the CEO and founder of Anxiety Solutions CBT Psychology Practice in Sydney, Australia. Renee, welcome. Lovely to have you on the show today. Thanks, Nikki. Lovely to be here. So, Renee, I know that we're going to be talking about Parenting with Soul, um, this this fantastic podcast that you have. Um, before we get there, just very, very quickly, you know, in the introduction in the news, we spoke about um, this COVID-19 really causing mental health issues, um, anxiety being a big one. And I know that you've written books and you really are an expert in that field. Um, and I probably would need hours to unpack a topic like this. But for people who are feeling so anxious and just don't see an end to this, what, what do you have to say? Well, um, the thing about anxiety and this way the treatment of anxiety, one normally uses things like positive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy, is one needs to actually practice doing and thinking things differently. So regular counseling or just talking about one's problems don't work. So I'll give you one tool immediately when you say they think it doesn't come to an end. One of the tools is that everything is temporary. So what I ask people to do, and anybody listening can do this, is to tap into times in their life in the past where they thought things would never end. You know, where you're going through, you're never going to find another job. And then even if it's six months later, you do. And for most of us, most of the time, things do come to an end. So think about three times in your life where you broke up with somebody, you thought you'd never find love again, and then you did. And you form a memory bank of things in your life that at the time you were hopeless, but things did change. And then now that you dip into that memory bank. So it's not me going, it'll be fine. And there's a silver lining. If we all dip into our own past, we will find times that we were hopeless, but they did actually, things did actually change. So I don't know when this is going to end, but I know when I dip into my memory bank that this will change and things will get better and the sun will come up tomorrow. And because I've been through it before, that gives us fortitude to get through this one as well. For now, I think that's so um, important. The other thing, uh, yeah, carry on. Now I was going to say, so there, there's things like this that one needs to do over and over again. And you might every day go straight to the negative. Oh, this is never going to end. It's terrible. And then you need to actually say this too shall pass and remember when this happens. So big thing with CBT is practicing that. The second thing with mental health is 
learning ways where you, for example, and this is another tool. So I'm not minimizing what people go through, but it's the practicing is grounding yourself in the present. You know, we can just live one day at a time. So anxiety is the what if. What if this goes wrong? What if if that isn't going to happen? What's going to happen in a year? So you ground yourself. Unless you're actually planning constructively, you ground yourself in the present. You ground yourself in today. And a very um, good tool for to, for grounding is to use your senses. So if you find your mind wandering or your heart starting to beat, you just go, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I tasting? What am I touching? And you drop an anchor and you ground yourself in the day. And most of the time, you know, not always, but we actually are safe at that moment. And when you ground yourself, you feel a lot stronger. And you control, instead of going, don't think about the future, you just literally ground yourself. And then you can do things like what you have to do, cook or exercise or speak to somebody that also brings you into the present moment. And when you cook to think about what spices am I using, what colors do I see, and you continually bring yourself into the present, and that helps a lot with anxiety. Those are two tools. Mm-hmm. Renee, those are such incredible tools. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm definitely going to be repeating them a little bit later in the show. Also, because this idea that anxiety is something that you have no control over. Um, you just said, you know, going to someone and speaking all the time. And I love that you're saying that we can empower ourselves. Um, and if we are um, committed every day and if we introduce this as a daily practice, um, we can make a shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's incredibly empowering. Thank you so much for that. Renee, so I was watching a very interesting um, webinar and um, it was all about education and we're interviewing one of the ladies who said, I can't wait to get back to work. And everyone had a chuckle because of course with lockdown um, and I know that things are easing in Australia but in South Africa we're very much in lockdown and very much um, homeschooling full steam ahead and so people who are trying to balance work day and helping children with homeschooling and still trying to have boundaries and I suppose that these boundaries are you know not as clear as they used to be you know do you let your children spend more time on technology don't you what do you have to say to that, Renee? How do we how do we pause and actually see the joys? You talk about parenting with soul. How, how do we do it under these circumstances? Mm-hmm. You know, I think a big thing is always to have a bigger perspective. You know, there's a story about um, you know a mayor is walking around a town and he sees people um, fix building something, and he walks up to the first person who's got a hammer and a nail, and he says. What are you actually doing? And the guy says, can't you see I'm hammering a nail into a piece of wood? And he goes up to a second person who's doing the same thing and he says, what are you doing? And he says, oh, can't you see we're doing a um, the sort of structure of a building? And then they go to the third person and they say, and what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm building an edifice for God. They were building, a, let's say, a shul or a church or something. So you can have a hammer and a nail, but it's how you look at it. So very much, and this is back to the thinking, is when you're in a situation to actually always have a bigger vision of what you're trying to achieve. So I found a lot of parenting, we get very stuck into the micro, you know, do your homework, sit down, eat properly, close your mouth when you chew. We get very caught up in that. And we need to, these are times when we have to remind ourselves of what is the bigger picture. 
What is parenting about? What is the main thing we're trying to achieve? And really the main thing is safety and security. We need to provide our children with safety and security. We need to teach them how to cope with life. And we can role model during this time how to be resilient through a crisis. And that is more important than anything else. The maths and the English is important. And and I'm not minimizing it, but we need to keep on the bigger picture. So if we're yelling and screaming or getting upset, we've lost sight of the bigger picture. So every day we need to wake up and think about we want to build a godly home. We want to build a home with good values. We want to show our children how to cope during difficult times. And then you make your home because you're all together all the time. You do need to have a structure. And part of the structure is daily practices. So a very important part of parenting and life is gratitude. So if you wake up every day and everybody is practicing gratitude, from a Jewish point of view, you can say modeani in the morning, but you need to think about it. What are you actually saying thank you for? You're saying thank you for life. And then you teach your kids every little thing. You know, we're thankful we've got a roof over our head. We're thankful we've got a government that keeps us safe. We're thankful we have each other. It doesn't have to be big things. That is how you actually parent children to to have to be grateful for things rather than saying, don't be spoiled and you've got to do this. It's more about, wow, look what we've got every day. And you have to, mm-hmm. of course, practice yourself. And then it's about, you know, teaching your kids how to be healthy. So part of the value of health would be, and you can sit and talk to them, you know, even over age five or six, what are the healthy things we can do in lockdown? So one of them is we can cook and eat healthily. Another one is we we can't be on the screen all the time, and everybody discusses what is a reasonable amount of time. So everyone buys into it. How are we going to exercise now that we're in lockdown? What can we do together? What can we do apart? What can we do for conflict resolution? What is healthy in that way? So, again, you teach it as a value, but everybody buys in and has a discussion about it. So you focus on those important things. And then another one is, okay, we are locked down, but how do we still grow? Part of our growth is we still need to be educated. So it fits into a bigger picture of well-being and parenting and what your main goal is. Mm, Fantastic, Renee. Renee, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Please stay with us. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Oh, welcome back. And if you have just tuned in, um, welcome. Lovely to have you. You're listening to the DL Link Show where we connect you to insights, information and illumination. I have Renee Miller, clinical psychologist and best-selling author and speaker, um, also CEO and founder of Anxiety Solutions CBT Psychology, uh, and that's a practice in Sydney, Australia. Um, Renee sharing incredible tips with us. And just before the break, Renee, you were talking about having this big vision, this looking at the bigger picture in terms of parenting. And actually, um, what I what I heard in all those tips that you shared is this is really a time where you have the time to think about all those things, to get the buy-in from the family in terms of um, health and exercise and learning and gratitude and um, just looking at the values in the home. I suppose, Renee, that even if we are juggling a number of roles, we we certainly have more time to to put into the 
the, the these kind of values and, and these aspects of parenting because the rest of the time we're normally running around, aren't we? Um, also, just going a little bit further into that, Renee, um, you, you spoke about modeling um, and as parents, you know, if you're yelling and screaming and out of control and what your children see, it's, we started off talking about anxiety. So and anxious parents are going to be modeling, um, you know, those kind of anxious reactions to what is happening to COVID. What, what do you say to parents there? Do they hide it and sugarcoat it and pretend everything's okay? How do you cope with it if you yourself as a parent feel anxious about what's happening? Okay, so this is a very, very important question, and I certainly don't want parents to feel guilty, um, but we do need to work on our own anxiety, but it doesn't mean hiding it. So it's a balance between what we call, what you call modeling. So again, I'll give you an example. This was a study that was done. It's not, it's not a new study with, they looked at, you know, how to uh, help people with who are afraid of spiders. So they had three groups and the one group, they showed a video of someone who walked up to a big um, spider and just picked it up and tickled it kind of thing. And then they had another group where the person was sweating and puffing and having a bit of a panic attack, but they took step by step until they could get close to the spider. And in the control group, there wasn't a spider. And what they found was the middle group, of course, did the best because you saw someone grappling and struggling but overcoming their fear. So parents, it's okay to talk about anxiety, but not to burden the children. It's okay to say, I'm feeling a bit stressed now, and I'm going to use a tool. I'm going to do some breathing. I'm going to do some meditation or whatever. That's fine. What one has to be careful of is not to say to children, look, I'm feeling very, very anxious now, and if you carry on, I think you're going to give me away here. Send me to grave and You've got to stop doing this to me. So that's, you can't do that. You have to show them that you, it's okay, I'm anxious, but I've got tools, and this is what resilience is. Resilience is bouncing back. I'm falling down, but I know how to get myself up. And they learn from you, and that's very inspiring. So you don't have to be perfect, but you do need to have some tools or some way, or if you don't know, even saying, I'm going to find out what to do, and we will look into this together. It's a wonderful language when parents can talk about it together. And what they have shown mm-hmm. in um, a lot of studies is that parents, when they send, when we send children for therapy and the parents aren't working on their anxiety, the children don't get better because they're going home to the same anxiety. So it's, a, mm-hmm. it's something that everyone, can, again, can do together. Mm-hmm. Very powerful and uh, a wonderful thing for parents to have that kind of open discussion instead of, yeah, as, as if, you know, suppressing it or pretending. Um, children know, they uh-huh. feel it, they see it. Um, Renee, something um, also, you know, in terms of the schooling and everything being turned upside down. So, so let's look at for the student who matriculated last year and they're supposed to be at varsity and having that whole varsity experience and they're not having it. For the matriculants, this is their final year. They're supposed to have matric dances and finals and who knows what's happening to the year. And it's not to say, you know, and also for those in grade seven, I'm talking about these pivotal years and these pivotal moments. How do we deal with that as parents? How do we manage those disappointments, so to speak? You know, this is where one needs to have, well, there are a few things I'll tell you, but one is to have a philosophy on life. So 
you know, it's very important when you talk about pivotal moments or kids, you know, we can't always have what we want. And often what we think is pivotal when you look back really wasn't that important. I would never say that to a um, trick student that what you want is not important. But again, what you, what we have to teach kids is, you know, sometimes you want something and you don't get it. And that means that something else is being asked of you at that moment. There's a fabulous book that I always recommend, you know, by Cheryl Sandberg called Option B. I don't know if you've ever read it, but her whole thing is she wanted one life and then her husband died suddenly and she got option B. And she talks about post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress. And this is the idea that we often want option A, but we get option B. And in fact, everybody gets option B because we all have romantic ideals of what we want. So part of Mm. what we have to be okay with as adults is – you know, it's Rabbi Jacobson says, you know, uh, Jacob <laughs> married Rachel and woke up with Leah. You know, often you mm-hmm. think you've got one thing and you wake up with something else. That uh, That's option two, <laughs> but it's what, what's meant for you to be, what was meant for you to have. So that's the philosophy side, and it's a big thing in life to actually go, okay, I, I thought that's what I wanted. I thought God should give it to me, and now I haven't got it. Obviously, something else. I'm meant to have something else. And it is maybe what I think is option B, but I need to, as she says, you have to make it work. You have to make it the best it can be if that's what you've got. So it's all about not having romantic views, dropping the word should, I should have it, I've got to have it, I'm entitled to have it. Life comes along and often we, you know, we, we would, you know, you have, you want to be well and healthy and then God forbid you get cancer. It's option B in a way. It's not what you really wanted. That is life. So you're teaching your kids that, you know, that yes, we don't always get what we want, but it doesn't mean we collapse. It means we want post-traumatic growth. We want to come up better and stronger and we want to accept what God is giving us or what life is giving us and make it work because that's what we're meant to be going through. So a lot of people are looking at this time really as uh, a moment in time for a lot of inner work going within and, as you've said, oh. resilience, finding that, finding that strength, realizing that we, we can adapt to so much, that we have this inner strength that we really never knew we had. And so actually, you know, if we do reframe it as parents, we can say, wow, how extraordinary that in such a because it is within within our home, it can be within a structured environment. Our children are learning extraordinary life lessons if you talk about this post traumatic growth period. Um and that mm-hmm. in fact day by day our children have are really having the opportunity to learn about themselves and about life. Yes, that's correct. And, you know, many years ago, I used to do a lot of work in emotional intelligence, and there was all this discussion about schools having to teach emotional intelligence. And I remember even then going, you know, parents have kind of abdicated. As you say, we're busy, we're running around, and we're expecting the schools to teach values and the schools to teach a lot of things. And that's why why I'm agreeing with what you're saying is that, you know what? It's been foisted back on us. Like we, it's at the end of the day, it's our children, it's our value system. We have this opportunity to really imbue them with skills and ways of looking at the world that will serve them forever. And that, that's what's enduring mm. is our values. We are our values. That's We're the most important thing. That's what this time calls for, really. I think it's, I think they're extraordinary. And I think that we're all going to look back on these times and say, do you remember that period? Do you remember um, when we were gifted with those 
those very precious moments. I really think we have to look at that. And you've given us so many valuable tools, Renee, really, just in this half hour. Um, and I really encourage people to go back to the podcast as soon as we do post it, um, because so many great tools to help with parenting and, and to help with anxiety as well. And Renee, for you in Australia, um, you, you know, I, I know that, that your lockdown is listening. How, how are things on your side? Well, in terms of lockdown, things are easing, and so um, we a lot. I didn't see my grandkids for a good few weeks, but now we're allowed to have we're allowed to have five and now ten people to get together in uh, in open spaces. So we're able to do that. We've always been allowed to exercise, so that's been easy to get out. Um, so that I think takes a big pressure. We weren't in actual total lockdown. They asked us to stay home, but we could do that. The divide is, and I do want to mention this, you know, I also, I'm in, you know, I suppose the equivalent of that when I grew up in Johannesburg, the northern suburbs, I'm in the equivalent of that. And a majority of people that I know are okay, but there's a huge, there are millions of people who have lost their jobs and they're not okay. Um, and that's not so simple. And we have to keep that in mind that it's a very different thing when you don't have safety and security. And that's the other message that I've really been saying to people is, we can use it as a growth period and, and we're okay, but we need to also teach our kids a sense of mission and to really use this time to think about people who are worse off than us. Because when you help other people, it also helps your stress and anxiety. It helps your happiness levels and it makes life meaningful. So that's one thing that we come out the other side and it's was meaningful, but to really to reach out to people in a way that sometimes you have to stretch yourself, you know, give in a way that it hurts. Because in our in our country, half the population is devastated financially, um, and you know that's that's like a very scary thing. So we are I'm okay, and our, a lot of people I know are okay, but not everybody is. Yeah, absolutely agreed, there, Renee. And you know, I mean, you know South Africa, and you know unemployment, and you know. Um, demographics mm. and what's happening. I mean, people queuing up to get food parcels, people starving. Mm. Um, yet, mm-hmm. and as you say, so many families, so many organizations coming together, putting uh, uh, meal packages together, doing incredible things. So once again, we're asked to go within and find the inner strength and mm-hmm. also go without and connect in ways, um, in, in really creative ways and certainly helping um, so well. Um, Renee, thank you so much for joining us it's really been it's been such a a privilege having you on the show today (laughs) and sharing and thank you for for staying up so late for us we appreciate it my pleasure thank you i hope we'll have you on the show again renee take care be safe and uh, look after yourself you too, Nikki. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, Renee Mill, clinical psychologist, best-selling author and speaker. Um, wonderful, wonderful tips that she has shared with us. As I said, I encourage you to go to that podcast. We're going to be taking a break. After the break, Jodine share. We're going to be talking about her book, Ephania. She's a transformation strategist and coach. Some more ideas from the experts. So um, stay with us. Michelos. IFM. 101.9 megahertz of life. And this is the DL Link Show where we connect you to insights, information and illumination on 101.9 High FM. So the DL Link, gee whiz, is 20 years old, founded by Michelle Goodman and Jackie Artsula all the way back 
in 2010 and looking after just a few families. And now in 2010, uh, 2020, I, I think, and I stand to be corrected, and Michelle, I'm sure, will give me the numbers, but well over 800 families that the DL Link are looking after. And while their doors may be closed, as they say, their windows are open. So the DL Link is still doing what they're doing, supporting um, and helping um, cancer warriors as well as their families and um, just really creating an incredible emotional support um, as well as supporting all other areas. And what the DL Link have been doing as well is offering great webinars like Zoom meetings with inspiration people, there's meditation, there's breathing. I did something for them the other night um, last week talking about mindset. Um, just really, really wonderful things. So please do keep visiting their Facebook site and you'll see all the upcoming events that you can join, that you can listen to. These are all free events. So the DL link continuing um, to offer and to assist even during these challenging times. So I'd like to welcome our next guest, Jodine Shear, who is a transformation strategist and coach. She's the co-owner of Lifeology, and she's also the author of a book called Ephemia. Um, Jodine, welcome. Lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is really, really special. <laughs> Oh, well, Joe, it's special for me as well, my darling. Um, I haven't seen you for a long time. Uh, we seem to bump into one another every now and then. Yeah. And I'm so delighted about your book, Evania. I've downloaded it. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Um, I've just really glanced at it. It looks extraordinary. Let's talk about this. Ephania. We, you know, we had, um, Kate Emerson on the, on, on the show not so long ago talking about writing a book. And there are people right mm. now who have always wanted to write a book and they're doing it. And in fact, I know that the DL link, I know that Lana is, um, uh, also running a couple of workshops to help people write. Yes. For you, was it a challenge to put your thoughts on paper? Tell us. It, well, what's amazing about the book is I wrote it um, during the time that my father was uh, really sick and we knew that we, we weren't going to be with him for long. So it actually became a bit of my coping mechanism. I wrote it in 2004 and only launched it, released it about a year and a half ago. Um, and it's because... I just need, I used it as a therapeutic process. I love writing. Uh, we all have some kind of outlet and writing is mine. Um, I had done a writing course. I really think that as a writer, you need to have a level of guidance before you dive in and do it. Uh, and I really, and I'm still the same kind of writer now in the next book that, that I'm also writing. I take the time to, to connect with the characters and almost allow the story to unfold. So it's not a rushed process. It took me a really long time to to write the book, but it was more about making sure that I understood the story myself before I could tell the story to someone else. Mm. I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, when, when Lana um, uh, Jacobson came onto the show and she herself is a cancer warrior and she yeah. spoke about many people, first of all, wanting to share the story of their lives, but also the power of the journaling to put their, their feelings yes. um, onto paper. You're saying that you wrote it at a time when your dad wasn't well. Yes. So um, were you were you writing about, because I know that Ephemia is about um, a young girl or it's about um, it's a woman. It's, it's someone who meets this young girl. 
Yes. So, so in, in a nutshell, I actually based the story on an experience that had happened to me. So I've been, I have been exploring different, um, avenues of metaphysics for, since I was still in high school. And one of the journeys that I went on was, um, uh, this sh- shamanic group. And there was someone who got sick in the group. And they were doing, they were going to do one of these shamanic rituals. And I was like, I really don't think a ritual is going to work. I really think she needs to go to hospital. And um, I didn't go to the ritual. It didn't sit right with me. And unfortunately, she did pass away. She had meningitis. And it made me just want to tell the story that it's, there are so many layers of healing. And even, it doesn't matter how deeply spiritual we are because I truly truly am I still know that when I'm extremely sick I need to go to a doctor and I need to I need to tap into the third this you know into the first world of medicine and I can't always take a holistic approach and that was why the the book was written she and she is sick and she has tried everything to figure out why she's sick and it's only when she starts to uncover the layers of of what illness is and the depths of what illness is that she that she starts to figure her way out Hmm. wow jadine it sounds incredible why if you wrote it in 2004 and and something that i think our that so many of our listeners will relate to um um, this a beautiful story uh, Hmm. about the illness and facing that so so you wrote it in in 2004 and yet you you really only published it and it let the public yeah. um take a look at it last year what what happened what was the delay so did you not write it for people to see no that wasn't the delay the delay is that i it's um it falls under the genre of new age it's very my inspiration to be a writer was paulo coelho if anyone's read um the alchemist oh. or breeder he was my inspiration to write and um a lot of the processes in the book, I went into meditation and got got the messages and the processes. And when I tried to get the book out there, the publishers that I sent it to, it was just a struggle of saying we don't we don't deal with this audience. We don't we don't speak to this audience. And because it's just, it, it, I couldn't find a place. And then I was going to go through a process of of trying to rework it a bit. And then I I didn't want to do that. So. I sat on it for a long time, defeated. A lot of it was defeated because I, and I sent it to publishers who work with this, you know, this kind of, of storytelling. I know that it's a unique genre. I know that it is, but that's why I wanted to be that type of author. And I left it for a long time, defeated, to be honest with you. And, and it's something just, it, it just felt like it was time. So I self-published in the end. I didn't wow. want to self-publish. I really didn't. But I honestly, that's why I've just had a magical formula to get it out. And it, it'll be a slow process. But every person who reads it, I just feel like it lands in the right hands. And that's the journey of it. It's, it's really hard to be published. It's so difficult. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cool. Um, you know, when, when Kate was on, we didn't really go much into the publishing, but certainly in the book that mm. they, that they, that they wrote, I don't know if you've read it. In fact, yes. I've got it here, write your book in 100 days. And yes. they also talk about writing your book and publishing your book. And I know that that's a big stumbling block for a lot mm. of people, but certainly, um, self-publishing is an option. And um, for yes. you, such a personal book, Joe, it's, you, it was, so, you know, you, you wrote it during that time. It's so personal. Yes. Putting it out there in the public domain is that hard the thing that was was hard is because i know that it's it's truly unique so a lot of her healing processes are are where she needs to dig deep meditation becomes important she has a deeply esoteric holistic teacher and that was the part that was more difficult for me it was if if the publishers struggled to see that the the audience would accept it i was concerned that there wasn't as great an audience to appreciate this kind of writing and that that was the fear in it but the response has been amazing from it i actually got an email from someone who said this was the the best and the worst book that i read at the same time she said because it made me look, stop and look at myself uh, in the process, I've, I've really made it that as you read it, you can relate to so many of the, of the things. And it, it's such a simple story that we try and we think we fix something about our lives and then it creeps back up again. And then we've got to start over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's, that's the mm-hmm. essence of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think lots of people can relate to that. Yes. So I know that for a period of time you were offering a free download. Um, yes. How do am. is it still on offer? It, yes, it is. Because I'm it sure there's people who are going to be very yeah. interested. So it was. It needed to be something deeply personal because Amazon only allows you to to have a free copy if you're on Amazon Unlimited. So if someone's on Amazon Unlimited, they can go and get a free copy, but um, they only have a really small window. And then I started to put it out in PDF. And I, next, can I tell you something? About eighty percent of the people who had a choice between um, reading it off Kindle and reading it off PDF chose the PDF. So I have really? kept the PDF. Yes. So I've kept the PDF open. The and what everyone needs to do is just send me a WhatsApp, and then I send the link. Um, obviously, because it's just sitting on a server, and and that's the simplest way to do it. So if someone WhatsApps me on oh eight two seven eight one seven five seven zero and asks for a copy of Athena, I send them a PDF free PDF copy, and it's gone so beautifully. <laughs> It's just gone. So I just wow. get these messages. Can I have a copy of your book? Please, can you send me a copy of your book? You know, we, we so certainly plan. Yeah. There's yeah. all these marketing plans. And then, and then there's just such a, I just, I just took such a simple approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, a lot of people write books to, you know, make some money, Joe. How do yeah. you do that if you're going to be giving uh, free copies of your book to everyone? So there's one of the things that I teach in Lifeology through the transformation stuff is that you, we need to understand that there's a difference between the way that we make money in our fulfillment and the way we make money in our joy. And the fulfillment is the thing that you're good at and you're prepared to put the energy and, and effort in and you know that there's going to be a return. And then when we take our joy, which is my writing, and we try and make it our fulfillment to pay all of our bills, eventually you lose the joy. 
So because because I understand that I I have known that the time for my writing will come. I have amazing opportunities to to make money in other ways, and I knew that if I turned the the books into a career and put so much pressure on the books, I would lose the joy of writing. So so I I absolutely love my writing. My dream is for this book. I've got another book. There's another two that I'm currently writing, working on another novel. One day the right person will pick up one of those books and it will become a bestseller and money will fly in. But in the meantime, the story can't sit and not be discovered because I can't figure out how to make money from it. And the book is perfect Mm -hmm. for now during COVID. It's perfect. While yeah. people are stuck yeah. at home and there's the struggle with who am I, what is my worth. Now I want to read this book. The money comes in other ways for me. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. I, Fabulous. Yeah. I was just talking to Renee Mill and she was saying, you know, this is a this is also a time to help others and lots of people Absolutely. are stepping up and helping. This is this is your thing. Listen, Joe, Absolutely. we're gonna take a quick break. Stay with us. A quick okay. break. We'll be we'll be back in a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Thanks so much for staying with us. This is the DL Link Show on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Nikki Severini and on the line we have Joe Dean Sher, the transformation strategist and coach, co-owner of Lifeology. And we've been talking about her book that she wrote all the way back in 2004 and um, um, she self-published last year and now she's making it available to you during these times. It's, um, I spoke to Renee Mill earlier saying, you know, this is a time where people are going on an inner journey and this book definitely speaks to being an inner journey, a discovery, looking at health, um, looking at healing. Um, and the book is called Ephania, E-P-H-I. I-N-E-A-H, and Jodine has very, very generously and graciously offered it to you to be able to download it and have access to it free of charge. And she said that if you send her an SMS on 0827817570, um, you can get a copy, 0827817570. Jodes, um, before we do say goodbye to you, just talking about being a transformation strategist, Quite interesting during these times. Yes. Um, you know, people are being forced to transform, right? Yes. It's not a, it's not saying, Oh, I'm going to transform. I want to transform. Yes. And I suppose people up until now who have said it's just not me. It's difficult to change. Well, they, they watching themselves change and the world around them. What do you have to say uh, uh, about these times? I have to tell an incredible story in a very, very short one. Um, I have two passions. The one is social media and the other one is this transformation coaching. And I literally had to live what I teach because um, one by one, my social media clients uh, no longer had funds. And within the first two weeks of COVID-19, I had to retrench all my staff and close my social media division of my business. And be thrust into what, literally what we talk about in this, in this coaching and this re-strategizing of transformation. And I have had to live everything that I teach the, 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 the faith. So for us, we teach that faith is an acronym, which is focus, acceptance, intention, trust, and happiness. And have to actually go back into those processes 
remember all the things that I coach and guide people with and to yeah. know that we are meant to come out of this different. If we don't come out of this different, if we don't allow the, just some level of flow in this transformation, you know, it's so, it's, there's so many layers of, of the coaching and the process, um, that it's, you know, just, it's a whole different talk, but, but in that, just to know that we are given the opportunity right now to figure out how brave we are and how resilient we are. And we, each of us has a deepest desire that we don't know what our value and our worth is. Whatever we think we want for ourselves, it, we can only come up with it for, from the level of the self-esteem that we currently have. Even if we think we're thinking big. And life wants to guide us on this journey that is far beyond our expectations. So a lot of the work that I do is saying that what the damage that self-help has done is made us think that if we don't have a goal or a plan, we're going to, we're not going to be moved in a direction. But if you don't have the goal and plan and you let, let life guide you, you end up in a more magical place than you could ever have dreamed of yourself. So that's mm. what I truly believe this is about. Mm. So, so you're saying that, that, um, you know, it's, it's so out of control where we're going with it. Mm. And what we should be practicing is kind of surrendering and acceptance. But within the Absolutely. surrender and acceptance, are you still actioning and doing things or are you just kind of actioning saying, actioning and doing, some, actioning and doing, actioning and doing so much and going, what part of, what part of the business did I love? It has this come along because I should no longer be in the social media industry, which is not true. So I have completely reinvented uh, myself. I put myself out as a social media consultant, revamped websites. I've done a whole lot of stuff and I have, I've reinvented myself and transformed myself. And at the same time, okay. shifted the, the, you know, shifted the offering. And this is not without buckets and buckets of tears and and really being afraid in the process but always bringing myself back to I mean lifeology has been going for 11 years we've been guiding people and ourselves in this for 11 years and what I've been telling people now is so many people have said this is uh, this is my faith this is my this is my belief system this is my this is my path but now's the time Mm -hmm. where we truly have to be walking it um, and, and believing all these years and years of, you know, building up to what we have. And now we need to lean on it and lean into it. Mm, and really, really trust that everything yes. is happening for us and that everything yes. will be okay. Uh, uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you so much for offering your beautiful book to our listeners, Athenia. And just once again, they can contact you on 0827817570. Thank you. All the best, all the Such success, and hopefully we'll chat to you again soon. You too. Take care. You're a darling. Thank you, Jodie. On 101.9. Bye bye, my love. 101.95. I am going to leave you guys with a quote. You know, Dale Carnegie said once, there were two men, prisoners, who looked out from prison bars, from the prison bars. One saw mud and the other one saw the stars. Who were you? And what do you choose to see? I hope you've enjoyed the show. From me, Nikki Seberini, do take care. Until next week, goodbye.